Welcome everybody. We like to take a little time every week to recap the message from the weekend and we're really uh, glad you've joined us here. I'm here with Pastor Greg and we're going to talk a little bit about the weekend. Had a great weekend, baptized 18 people over the weekend. Yep. Man, it was so cool. What a great Sunday. What I will always remember about Sunday is the mountain of confetti <laughs> on the left-hand side of the stage. For me, the left hand, it was covered, and it's still out in the parking lot this morning. It's still floating around in a lot of places, but, man, that's a part of our celebration for baptisms. And, man, what a great day it was. Had eight salvations as well, eight people said eight yes. Eight people. You know, I didn't see a lot yep. of the hands this yep. weekend. It was so dark out there. I didn't see the hands, but yep. how cool. Eight people said yes to Christ this weekend, which is always a, a great thing as well, one thing that we celebrate. One uh, one. Uh, Monday, I think it was Monday or Tuesday after uh, Baptism Sunday, I was at uh, up at Party Hospital. I had a test going on, and uh, they wanted me to pay the bill. And I took my wallet out, and confetti fell out of my wallet from the baptism. <laughs> I don't know how I got there, but I had confetti in my wallet. <laughs> confetti does find itself in a lot of different places. We're also in a new location today. Uh, yep, right out here in the good old lobby. That's right. <laughs> the good old lobby, that's right. The good old lobby, here we are. So we're trying it out a little bit differently this week, but uh, man, such a great week, such a great weekend. And we still had to move furniture a little bit. Just a little, but not as much as we've had in the past. Yes, definitely better. So, uh, hey, um, week two of Choose Joy uh, yeah. was this past week. So that was, uh, man, that was, a, that was a powerful message again. Great job uh, with it that was fun. as well. I enjoyed, enjoyed the time of the folks this weekend. It seems to be really connecting with people. Uh, you kind of laid it out there for us, for us in week one, uh, just how elusive joy seems to be and how much it's needed right now. And it really seems to be connecting with people. Um, people are walking away and being able to apply it to their to their lives. So this week was really, really good. I'm glad. I uh, enjoyed it. Um, we choose it. Yeah. The, the reason joy can be so elusive is that we tend to think it comes and goes with circumstances, and it's not a circumstance. It's a choice. It's a choice. And you can choose it. You can make choices that allow your life to be joyful, and not just spurts of joy, mm -hmm. pockets of joy, but an abiding joy in your life that stays. And this is not some, you know, power of positive thinking or anything no. like that. No, no. This is, I mean, this is really seeing your circumstances for what they are, but still choosing to have joy in the midst of it. Yeah, absolutely. In the middle of the most trying times, you can make choices. We talked about, you know, the joy early on in the series, the first message, the joy that you just find in community, mm -hmm. the joy you find in plugging in with others. Right. And fellowshipping with others. And then we talked about this week just the joy in finding mission. Right. What, what is the mission for my life? And God getting our heart right surrounding that mission. And it's so important. If you get to that place, joy abides in your life. And I said this week, you know, a big part of joy is just getting your heart clean. Mm -hmm. When your heart's clean, you have a receptacle where joy can just live there. But if it's not, if your heart's off in some areas, you sabotage your own joy. You know, one of the big things, uh, you know, that you laid out there in the very beginning was is that we were going to invite God to do some heart surgery yeah, uh, yeah. on us this weekend. Yeah. And uh, it was the, kind of the running joke of some people have chose to go to the beach. You chose to come to church and have surgery done. In the driving rain. <laughs> in the driving rain. To church. That's right. And now this happens. Yeah, uh, right. But it was. I mean, there was a lot, uh, a lot of heart surgery uh, that was going on. And the idea of it's not about me, it's about the mission. And uh, just that in and of itself right there will invite joy into your life when you get the focus off of you. And Paul's that great example uh, of that. In the verses that, that we camped out in this particular week, it really was Paul saying, 
whatever happens to me, it doesn't really matter because the mission is still going forward. And he had given his life uh, to, a, to a mission that made a difference. It's not about me. It's about the mission. Um, I think every employer wants employees that mm. believe that. Have you ever been into a business and seen that the employee was making it about them right. instead of the actual mission of the business? Yeah. It's that uh, this is more, con the employee might say, let's say you're in a restaurant and the server um, thinks more about their comfort and what's easy for them than what's best for serving the guest, right. which is and should be the mission of every restaurant sure. and many other businesses, serve that guest well. And you'll see people who make it about their own convenience rather than the service of the guest. Then you go on the other hand and you see stellar service, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel or whatever business it is, you'll find there's a staff member there who's really on track with the mission mm -hmm. and understands that their personal comfort and convenience at the moment takes a back seat to the actual mission of serving that customer. And the whole service level is different. And this is what I see as well again and again. When you see people in a business committed to the mission, they're more joyful, much more joyful mm. than the person who's like, oh, I don't want to walk away all the way over there or whatever it is. Right. I love to read like uh, customer service stories. Some of my favorite things are just serve, uh, stories of great customer service. Uh, I heard this business here. It was a hotel. And in their hotel, they gave the employees uh, a budget of amount that they could authorize to spend yep. to make a, a guest happy if something went wrong. And they gave them like, I think it was $2,500. And I heard the story of this lady, this guy had, I think it was a laptop. It, I may get a few of the minor details wrong. But I think he left a laptop in the hotel and uh, he flew to Hawaii and uh, left his laptop. Mm. And that employee bought a ticket, got on a plane, and flew to Hawaii to give it to him. Oh, wow. Now, some of our listeners are probably thinking, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. I would Sign me up. <laughs> I'll find Hawaii. joy in that. <laughs> but the lady simply, I, I read the story. She just got off the plane, handed him the laptop in person, flew back home. Wow. And this was a very high-level, very expensive hotel chain as well. Right. But you imagine the service. You're all the way back home, and all of a sudden, the employee steps oh, yeah. off a plane and hands you, uh, you're going back to that place. Oh, no doubt. All that to say, I love stories like that. All that to say, when we make it about the mission, the mission gets accomplished, mm -hmm. and we have incredible, incredible joy. You know, the thing that the thing that stirs into my mind on that, as you're telling, as you're as you're kind of uh, hammering hammering home that that point about it, it's not about me, it's about the mission. You better know what your mission is then. Um, you know, if you if you're not gonna make it about you, you and you're gonna make it about the mission, you better know what your mission is in life. Whether it's you as an individual, as a follower of Christ, or within your family, or within your job, uh, you got to know what your mission is. As followers of Christ, we do. We know what our mission is. Our mission is the Great Commission. Our mission is to go into all the world and make disciples for Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And that's true of every Christian on earth. Our role, our mission is to introduce people to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to help them grow in their faith. There's all kinds of other missions out there. Sure. There's all kinds of other things you can be doing. But if that is your core motivation in life so that people may know Jesus and grow in Him, oh, there's so much joy in that. I tell people all the time, you may be a plumber, but you're a missionary disguised as a plumber. There you you may be a teacher, you're a missionary disguised as yep. a teacher. Of course, you have objectives. Sure. You want, if you're a plumber, you want to stop a leak or, or install some system properly so it serves the client well. 
But underneath that all, you know, my purpose in the world, my reason for being on this globe is for other people to come to know Him. So you get that right. God told me once we were doing a help do a roofing job for a lady who needed a roof put on her uh, house. And he told me, he said, here's the key to roofing. You just got to get that first row right. If you get that first row right, everything builds off of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so foundational. You get the Great Commission right, you really make that your purpose, everything else is going to line up. I like it. Yeah, we we moved on from there and we went from, it's not about me, it's about the mission. But then it was also diving a little bit deeper there for Paul. Uh, it wasn't about the obstacles, it was about the opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so difficult, I think, uh, even even when I got the mission right, I think sometimes I can have a tendency sometimes to focus in on the obstacles. Uh, I have been accused of being a uh, half glass empty uh, kind of guy from time to time. I know that's hard for people to believe, but... Uh, don't smile. That was, that was not necessary to smile on that one. I feel one right like there. you're looking at me like I've accused you of that. I, I would never say that uh, on camera. Um, so. Okay, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> no, um, but I think it is so easy for us as individuals to focus in on the obstacles and focus in on all the things that are pressing against us or all the things that are coming against us, even the individuals uh, sure. that may be coming against us, rather than focusing and seeing opportunities within those obstacles. And you did such a great job of opening that up to us to be able to see opportunity. Just look at what Paul did. Yeah, Paul is chained to guards 24-7, six different ones a day as they took these four-hour shifts. Paul did not say, oh, God, these evil men have got me chained to them. Yeah. Paul's like, hey, I got these guys chained to me four hours right. at a time. I was like, yeah, I've got a captive audience here. I said this Sunday or over the weekend. And uh, again, Paul's not the captive here. When you've got mission, you're never the captive. Mm. You're never the captive. You're not captive to your circumstances. You have a mission in them. They may not be the comfortable ones. They certainly right. are not the ones often that you would have chosen. I don't think Paul ever chose to go to Rome or ever dreamed of going to Rome as a gospel preacher in chains. Right. You read Paul's writings and he had this dream of mm -hmm. going to Rome. It didn't happen the way he thought it would, but when it happened a different way, he stayed right on mission and made the most of it. So he was able to say the whole palace guard knows that my chains are in Christ. And that was 9,000 men. You made, you made the comment uh, from the platform this weekend about what may have been your response when if you'd have been in chains or things that you may have written a, a tell-all book or something like that. And I think that's our natural re response oh, sure. as well is to see the obstacles there and want everybody to, you know, uh, to hear about those obstacles there, but to be able to see those opportunities and maybe not... Uh, maybe not to be so locked in on the way that you thought that the mission was going to be taking place, but to be open to however God needs to move in the midst of that to bring those opportunities to fruition. My book would have been How They Done Me Wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, in my own flesh right. it would have been. Sure. Yeah, Push back. Tell the world how they cheated you and how they imprisoned you wrongly. Paul did none of that. And Paul had a platform a lot bigger than mine. Paul had a platform that reached around the world of his day. He used his platform, what, to advance the gospel every time. It's amazing to me the care he had for the Philippian believers even there. Because mm -hmm. if you read kind of subtext underneath what he wrote, he's, he's trying to comfort them. Yeah. He's trying to say, guys, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm here. I know you're worried about me over there. I'm okay. My mission's going forward and I'm rejoicing. Hmm. I think part of Philippians, part of the reason there's so much joy in there is Paul wanted them to know, yeah. this has been a joyful experience for me. You fast forward that to today, 
And I think we do have a tendency to focus in on so many obstacles that are preventing, or we say are preventing the gospel from moving forward, right? Or preventing our mission from moving forward. But you said something that I want to make sure that everybody uh, latches onto, that we live in a day and time right now where there are so many opportunities for the gospel. Even the opposition that comes against it, they're only propelling the opportunities for the gospel to be pushed forward Absolutely. if we'll just see them for what they are. Absolutely. This is the greatest day that I've known in my lifetime to share the gospel with people because yeah. there's, a, there's a hunger for truth in our day that I don't think has existed in my lifetime. Hmm. I don't. Yep. There is a hunger for truth because there's such a lack of it. It's almost like there, there's been up to now, and I think it's changing. I really do. Up to now, I think there's been a day of uh, a season of just fear and a season of having to be so careful about what we said right. for fear of being canceled, for fear of whatever people are going to say. And I think the pendulum is going to swing back the other way and already is that people are latching on to somebody that will speak a genuine, loving word of truth to them. Mm -hmm. I think there are more people, for the people listening, I think there are more people in your world out there who really want to hear the truth of what you believe than you think. I think one of the lies of the enemy to the Christian is, hey, you got to keep your mouth shut, you got to be quiet because everybody's just going to hate you. But I think there are tons of people out there who are hungry for the truth now. Right. They've, they've invested in the world systems and it's just come up bankrupt. They had not found what they wanted and they need the gospel. So I, I think we live in a day of tremendous opportunity for the gospel to go forward. And none of these cultural things that happen, you know, there's a lot of noise now about this business doing this mm -hmm. or that doing that or this doing it. None of those things slow the gospel down right. at all. They just give us an opportunity to, pre to present it. Yep. And it's the same if you study church history, just look at Paul's life, mm -hmm. look at the history of Christianity in Rome. None of the persecution did anything to slow Christianity. The only thing it did was propel it. Agreed. Agreed. That's good. The, uh, the last area that, you, that we camped out in uh, this past weekend in the message was uh, that it wasn't about competition, but it's about partnership. Right. And you kind of laid it out there for us that uh, the early church isn't this perfect church that oftentimes we like to imagine that it was, but it had a little bit of drama uh, going on in there as well, and there was some backbiting and some... Uh, let me push you down so I can propel myself forward that Paul experienced there. And he had a great opportunity there to be able to uh, tell everybody exactly how bad all these people were, but he chose not to. He chose to embrace what they were, uh, the message that they were being able to say as far as moving the gospel forward. Paul had his own drama. Yeah. Let's even move past Paul being the persecuted one. Paul wasn't perfect either. There was a situation in Paul's life where he was traveling with Barnabas. Yep. There was this young man, John Mark, mm -hmm. who we believe is the author of the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Right. He left them suddenly for some reason. Immaturity, fear, whatever it was, he left them. Barnabas being the encourager he was later on down the journey, Barnabas said, well, let's get him. Let's take him, let's take him with us on this trip. And Paul's like, no way, he's going. <laughs> right. They got in such a fight with each other, they split, split off. Ways. And that's when you got Paul and Silas mm -hmm. and Barnabas going another way. Uh, you know, we followed Paul, but Barnabas is out of the picture because that was his first real... The first dynamic duo of sure. the New Testament church was Paul and Barnabas. Became Paul and Silas because of drama. And later on, it's so interesting, later on in life, uh, in one of Paul's writings, he said, uh, bring Mark bring with Mark, you. Because yeah. he, he realized, okay, yeah, I judge that guy harshly and he's okay. And right. wound up, guy winds up writing the second gospel. So 
Paul had his own drama. The early church had tons of drama, tons of division. Mm -hmm. I mean, tons. We tend to think they get filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and they're these <laughs> perfect Christians for about 100 years, and then everything bottoms out. No, they had the same problems we do. Divisions, right. lying, fighting. I mean, you had people coming in lying to the elders and dropping dead. I mean, yep. that's not a perfect church. No, not at all. Nope. Um, but you really challenged us not to, not to see things as competition. But to yep. see, see, see that there's opportunities there and see people that maybe are uh, in the same line of work that we are. I know, I know you really challenge business leaders there, but see people in the same line of work there, not to see them as competition, uh, but to see them as partners in propelling that mission forward. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very much of a change in thinking uh, for anybody, followers of Christ included. Kingdom-minded business leaders are going to lead differently from worldly-minded business mm. leaders. Kingdom-minded Christians in the business world, I believe, are called to function differently from those of the worldly mind. People say all the time, and I hate the statement, they say business is business. Right. Which can be a cover for treating somebody Do terribly. whatever I want to do, yeah. You know, cheating somebody or giving somebody poor business is business. And No, no, uh, as a Christian, uh, all business should be kingdom business. Right. You know, it should be godly, godly principles, godly influence going toward it. So I guess what I was pushing on is that when we're out there in the business world, the other people that are actually achieving our mission are not our competition, right. they're our partners. And what I've come to understand is when I operate out of an abundance mentality and realize there's an abundance of resources, there's abundance of customers, there's abundance of people to serve in our community and all over the world, uh, I can freely give and freely rejoice in other people's successes you know, yeah. if I'm in a business that's making a bolt for a particular machine, if there's someone else making that same bolt, my joy needs to be in the fact that the bolt's getting made. Right. They, wow. The yep. bolt's getting made, not whether I'm making more of them than they are. And I know that's a switch. Sure it is. But uh, there's too much cutthroat going on, and uh, we ought to be able to work together. Now, I'm not in the business world on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I, I consult sometimes, do some leadership consulting with some business leaders, and I hear a lot of things. My education is not in business, so I basically told them, and I'll say it again, how this works out is not mine to tell you. Right. What I'm, My job is to do the heart surgery. The Holy Spirit's job is to do the heart surgery and change our hearts so that we don't view them as competitors but as partners. And that has completely worked for Upper Christian Fellowship yep. uh, in even a business sense. Yeah. When we started giving to other ministries in, that were doing essentially the same thing we are, everything here increased like crazy. Yep. Because we're not, we're not knocking anybody. We're not the only church in town. We're not the big show in town. Mm -hmm. We're simply partnering with other people to further the ministry and the mission in, right here in Henderson County. Well, and I think you've done such a tremendous job of leading us as a church in that way as well, partnering up with, and, and seeing, seeing pastors in the community as, as partners, seeing other churches in the community as partners and crossing you know, that, that <laughs> invisible line there where we had to see churches as the competition but not, no longer doing that, seeing them as partners in this race. Yeah. Um, and then doing that across denominational lines mm -hmm. uh, as well. And so, man, it's been, it's been great to be a part of and to see that. And to see that lived out, seeing it, the results of that, and then also being able to challenge people to do that in their, in their personal lives and business as well. I can't tell you the joy I get from that. Yep. And the lack of joy kill that I mm -hmm. get from not being in that 
the comp the competition mindset. Sure. That can just kill your joy so fast. Oh yeah. If you're in a competition mindset in a church or in a business, when the other guy has a success, your joy goes down because why couldn't that be me? Right. Now I can honestly can rejoice celebrate. when the church across town is growing mm -hmm. and their ministries are flourishing. I get joy out of that just like I do upward. That's awesome. It's not ours to own. That's awesome. Well, been good. It has been good. We we'll look good. forward to week three this week. Week three coming up. We'll have another good recap. Thank you all for being a part of it. We don't do this without you. There you go. And we're so glad you're a part of this family. Blessings.